Mojo. Ah, yes, here it is. Got your mojo working. Pizzazz, oomph, zest, passion, energy, vibe, ACDC, the Mojo Radio Show. Hey, that can't be right. I got my mojo working, but it just won't work on you. Thanks, AP. Good to have you on board today, buddy. Good to have you in the studio. Always a delight. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. It's a show about talking to people that we think have got something to offer, an opinion, tips, tools, skills, something to help you get your mojo working in and out of the workplace. And it could be around oh, creativity, spirituality, family, relationships, business, strategy, all sorts of things. And the man behind the panel who drives the whole thing, he is the Aquadia of the Mojo <laughs> Radio Show. Robbo, how's it going, buddy? It's going really well, mate. Thank you. You're going to run out of superlatives one day. You know that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, heading, I'm heading off to Bunnings. Hello, no good friends of Bunnings. Um, to go to their uh, their glue and adhere section. Yeah. Uh, what's news, mate? Mate, I've got a lot of news this week. Uh, shall we hop into it? Hop into it. Um, my first piece of news, and I love this, and I know you're going to love this too. The latest conspiracy theory from uh, from from our nerdy friends in the Outer Space Brigade is that there is the claim uh, circling the the scientific universe that a pyramid has been discovered on the surface of Mars. Really? Yeah, it's believed to be car sized. And alien hunters claim it might just be the tip of a very much larger structure, which is buried beneath the sand from a um, from a Mars sandstorm. So there you go. May is that a little piece from the uh, Robbo's X Files? <laughs> no, this week? look, actually quite credible. The Daily Mail. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's. Should we call we'll Mulder see. and Scully? Yeah, we'll see how that unfolds. Uh, what else is news? Oh, mate? look, one a lot more serious, and one and one I, one I know that's close to your and my heart, um, Jamie Oliver. Mr. Innovation when it comes to food and restaurants mm. and all the rest of it. His latest innovation, and I know you're going to give this a warm round of applause, he's introduced a sugary drink tax in all his restaurants. Ah, oh, yeah, folks, let's put our hands together. Let's put in a little uh, uh-huh. a yeah. little round of applause there for I, – I mean, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. So you walk into Jamie, one of Jamie's restaurants and you sit down and you say, uh, I'll have a Coke. So uh, not only do you pay the price on the menu, but he's also imposed a tax on top of that as well. So, um, so yeah, obviously doing doing good things for uh, for the community, obviously. So that's great. Yeah, to and a real shout out to to Jamie Oliver. I mean, he um, he's the guy that walks the talk, and he knows mm. what damage sugar is doing to our lives. And um, I think that's a that's a good thing. I know a lot of people, you know, don't give him a good rap, but I think the Mojo rated. I mean, there is a guy who's got his Mojo working mm. without question. Mm. But do you know what I like about it particularly is that he, he's not doing it by taking away choice. Like he's still saying, okay, you have a choice, but mm. be aware that this isn't good for you. So for that reason, I'm putting a tax on it. And mm. rather than just a blanket ban, you know, you make up your own mind what you want to do. I think that's, that's the right. best part of that. So, yeah, great. How about you? You've been uh, scanning the, the, uh, the tabloids? Well, I've been scanning the box. Right. So let me explain. Mm. I've been um, following and watching a little bit of MasterChef because our household uh, likes to cook Mm. and experiment and we've been getting into MasterChef. And what fascinates me is that every time someone gets eliminated, it's because they either undercook or overcook the meal, right? Yeah. So I found a product called June, J-U-N-E. Have you met June before? 
I haven't met June, no. Well, let me introduce you. Right. So June is an oven and what makes this oven so unique is that you put your food into oven and it's got an intuitive camera inside Mm. and it essentially takes a photograph and with its sensors can tell what's in the food and then can go ahead and cook it for you to perfection. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we spoke to Silvia Damiano from About My Brain who was uh, if you couldn't tell, Argentinian. <laughs> yes. And who taught us how to cook the perfect Argentinian steak. Mm. Now, if you're using June, you get your steak and your veggies and stuff, you put it into June, the in-sealing camera recognises the food, mm. tells you how it's going to be cooked and does the whole thing, and then you pull it out and it's this perfect steak. But does it add that extra element of love, Gary? I reckon it would. <laughs> <laughs> and what's cool about this, there's a second part of my um, – message with this mm. is that the guys behind June used to work for Apple wow, okay. and people go, oh, that's Apple. It's, well, it's actually not Apple. It's the people and it's the yeah. leadership and the people. Absolutely. And it just goes to show that it's not just the brand they work for, mm. but the people and their ability have taken that and applied it to an area which, let's face it, hasn't had huge disruption no. in terms of innovation. So um, I will put a link to June the Jamie Oliver story and, and the pyramids, pyramids on Mars. On Mars. <laughs> that shouldn't be hard to Google and find a link for. Um, our- now, listen, you know what else I'm going to post on Facebook, Gary? Talking about Sylvia and her Argentinian steak, mm. I have come up with the perfect chilli sauce. It's- oh, I love a good mm. chilli sauce. Well, you know how I told you I had the uh, the old Scotch bonnets going hard out mm. the back? Mm. I, um, I had way too many that I knew what to do with, so I decided that I was going to come up with a chilli sauce. And hearing um, Sylvia's steak recipe, inspired me that I needed a chilli sauce to go with it. So I've come up with what I think is the perfect recipe. I'm going to stick it up on the Facebook page. It's nice and simple, just some garlic, onions and some chilli and a bit of olive oil, whack it all together. And uh, I, I'm interested to hear people's feedback. And if it works, if, actually, if I get good feedback, I might go on MasterChef next year. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that I think it'd be early in the show you'd be facing elimination. elimination. Do you reckon I'd get away with do you reckon corn chips and some guacamole would get me through get me through MasterChef? Mate, if I was judging you to get you through. You served that with a corona. Absolutely. Thank you very much. All right, let's get into it. Yeah, let's go. Mojo Radio Show. You've added a bit of beauty to the studio this week. A little bit of glamour. Lovely lady. Mm. She not only is beautiful, but she's uh, doing fantastic work in Los Angeles. Now, Terry Hawkins is an Aussie, and the backstory is that I met Terry on the speaking circuit. We were doing jobs together many years ago, and Terry had written a series of books for children. And it was about a character called Flipman. And I went to Terry and said, why don't we do a book for children about cancer? So it explains to children what all they need to know about cancer because if we don't know something, we tend to make assumptions. And kids are not being spoken to about how kind of cancer works. Mm. So I got together with Terry. She wrote this fantastic book. We've now given away, I think, almost 50,000 of those books to children all the way from Cairns right down to Hobart and across to Perth on the Tour de Cure. And in any man's language, that would be a bestseller 10 times over. So um, it's with great joy we welcome Terry Hawkins to the Mojo Radio Show. Welcome. What an honour. 
I'm so excited to be with you. Jeez, there's a first. Someone who's well, on let, it. Let, yeah, let's just finish the interview there because that's going to finish that's on a it, high. Folks, that's a wrap. You can't go anywhere but down from here. Um, now, Terry, we uh, we are talking to you live from Hermosa Beach in Los Angeles. Is that right? That's right. I was going to say good old sunny, sunny Los Angeles, but it's not actually today, so that's... First. You've got the Aussie accent. So Terry is an Aussie who has now, in fact, we are just talking about it before we started recording, has made a name for herself over in Los Angeles. We're in America. That's quite an accomplishment, um, Terry. Well, t- take us through the journey of the last few years of, of just making it over there. Well, I think, and, I, and I'm not quite sure I would actually say that I've made it yet, but um, I would ahead. say. <laughs> Go ahead, take it. I think I've still got that, you know, that Australian, it's not humility, it's that fear that if you actually start to wave your own flag, someone's going to shoot you down in three seconds. Um, But I think, um, I think that, well, the first couple of years was really, really tough. And I remember someone saying to me when I came, what was, what was the hardest thing about starting up again, another company in another country? And I said my memory because um, I remembered how tough it was. And it's not like when you're younger and you start out, I think you have all the energy and the innocence. You have no idea what hard work or rejection or struggle looks like. And so you just bounce back all the time. Um, You know, the good thing was I I knew, I remembered what it took to build a company, but I also remembered how hard it was. So um, so it's just momentum. And I think Americans... um, I think because of what they've gone through and for whatever reason, they're a little bit scared of risk. And so they tend not to, to take a risk on something new um, until, until others have tried it. And so that's just starting to happen now. And I think people are seeing it's a very, very different style that I have. And it's certainly not, I certainly don't aim to please everybody. I aim to just tell the truth as I see it and push back a bit so that people can go to a new level. So, yeah. so I've got stacks to ask you about, and let's just stay on this this recreating yourself part. There's just two two questions we've got. The first question is: Did you did you move across to America five years ago with a new dream? You've obviously gone through different stages of your life. In the last five years, have you been have you had have you had a clear dream in your mind of what it means to achieve what you want to achieve in the states? <laughs> Don't you, don't you love looking back? It sounds so much better when you look back because when you look back on your life, you go, oh, my gosh, there's the plan. And then when you stand here, is it? And then when you stand here today and you look forward, you go, what the hell am I doing? Yeah, um, what's, what's up there? Exactly. So, no, I didn't have any dream. I have no idea what actually got into my head about the whole idea of coming to America. So I think I got, um, I got, I was actually very sick and I didn't realise it. And so part of being sick was actually I just lost all of my joy for life. And so even though I loved speaking and I loved my work, um, and when I was on stage or in front of a group, I, I buzzed, but moment I came off I just felt so flat and so I thought maybe I just need a new playground and I'd always wanted to live in America like I used to when I was a little girl I used to sing in the backyard um what's that song take me back to the black hills the black hills of Dakota and my mother would go what are you singing (laughs) and so even though I'd never been here I just had this dream of living here so um the boys and I had wanted to come for a few years and so we packed up. I, I knew one person when I got here. Um, and I think my stupid optimism 
dragged us over here and I swear for the first 18 months to two years, I thought, what have I done? I used to cry myself to sleep at night um, just because I basically lost everything. So I, I came over here, my Australian company went down because I wasn't there as far as the presents go. I was sick, so I wasn't able to work as much as I could and I'm the breadwinner. Um, yeah, so I wake up a couple of times going, okay, as long as I've got enough for a flight home. <laughs> <laughs> We spoke to a psychoanalyst called Jackie Fury recently on the show and she talked about the power of going back to the things you thought about and the, the person you were when you were a child and the influence that has on you as a leader or a, a business person or someone in the community now. So that that seems interesting. That Do you think that played a part, a serious part in you making the move? And the second part is were you comfortable seemingly not knowing what the dream was? putting it at risk and just having a crack at it? I absolutely love that you just said that because I think I think we get, and I love Jackie Fury too, I think Jackie's beautiful, but um, I, I think that we get stuck in how it's supposed to look. And so we hold on so tightly and we get a vision of our future and so we go, this is where I'm supposed to be at this point in my life and I'm supposed to have this and supposed to have that. And, and so when I hit 50 and all of a sudden had reached this, um, and even that, even saying that age just sort of wigs my brain out because I actually feel 34. Mm. Um, and so getting to a point where all of a sudden my life wasn't where it's supposed to be, I had to release control. Even when I came over here, so talking about Stickman and Flipman, and you know the journey of the, those two characters, that yep, yep. Um, I got to America and someone else had trademarked Stickman and, you know, we've got the little book, Let's Do Well for, for Tour de Cure. Mm. Um, and so I had to actually change this name that I had used for 16 years. So it was almost like every part of my life was going, yeah. you, Terry, you've got this hot, really tight hold on the way it's supposed to look and by releasing that and just free-falling and and someone asked me the other day about um, I always look so confident and I said I live my life in managed managed anxiety when I speak when I train when it's just managed anxiety I have this constant feel of nervous energy and so sometimes we we try and force a dream that's not meant to be and by forcing it we stop the things that have opened up for me in the last two or three years, the, I'm writing a, my own life story at the moment, which we're um, through the guidance of someone who's really huge in the movie slash TV industry over here, um, and under their direction saying you've got to write a book about your life um, and there's a couple of parts in it that we're hoping to turn into a movie and uh, the core elements of the book are going to hopefully be quite transformational in uh, protecting our children. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm interested to know, Terry, um, in my personal life, I've taken on a, 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 a kind of responsibility with a bunch of, of nine-year-old kids. And it's something that I should be confident in. in I, I'm actually coaching a reps rugby team. And I'll get to the point of why I'm so, telling you this in a minute. But I've taken on this responsibility and these kids are sort of the cream of the crop from the local area. And because I played and a few years and all that sort of stuff and I've coached for a few years now, I should be fairly confident. But I, I find when I'm coaching these kids that I, I have this nervousness that I'm not doing the right thing by them and perhaps I could be doing better. When you say that you live your life in a constant state of anxiety, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with the, the doubts and all that sort of stuff? I think, uh, and that's, I mean, what an amazing opportunity for you, for those little boys, because, I mean, they're going to learn from anyone who's standing in front of them, but I think what we forget is 
our journey and our breaking open and our our vulnerability is uh, broken open when we're standing in front of little people. I just love them. Um, so mine is to trust my gut and the more and more that I trust that and so when I say managed anxiety, it's actually a good feeling because it allows me to free fall and I think you're far more real um, and, and just trusting because if you sit in that intuitive state, You'll pick up things and you'll because if you don't, if you get stuck in rigidness and you get stuck in looking good and you get stuck in the ego, then you'll only say things so that you look good or you'll only say things so you sound impressive or you'll only say things or act in a way that other people go, wow. But if you go into that, that intuitive state, something will come out of your mouth and you'll think, where did that come from and why on earth did I say that? And then someone comes up to you, like one of those little nine-year-old boys will come up and say, Hey, Robert, I'm so glad you said that because of blah, blah, blah. And you'll go, oh, my gosh, you know, there it is. Terry, do you remember the time, the, the, do you remember the moment where you you made that change? You mean the, the, the change to come to America? Well, you've been, you've been, you, you personally have been through some rough times mm. and you've come out the other side of it. There must have been, do you remember a moment where you started, you just said, you know, enough's enough. Do you remember that moment and, and what it was you went through that caused you to leave those things behind and start this journey? You know what's funny, Gary? You asked very good questions. Um, I think I've had a series of those and I think that that's what we mm. do. We, we have a breakthrough and then we go to another level and then we plateau and rest for a while. So I've had a lot of them. You know, I remember and, you know, the, I think the first time I ever had that thought was when I was about 12 years of age and just going okay, I'm, here. I'm basically on my own. That's how I actually felt because so I'd gone to my parents about something and they just sort of flicked it off. And I thought, oh, okay, well, I've really got to deal with this myself. And then then I'm, when I'm 24, I did a course with a Japanese training company after having many, many years of varying abuse and stuff I had to deal with and so forth and then making the decision that, so, so there's a lot. There's been a lot of milestones in my life where even coming yeah, here, yeah. standing yeah. at the bottom of the stairs, not knowing how to pay the rent when I'd gone from having this amazingly abundant lifestyle in Australia to probably 18 months later standing at the bottom of the stairs going, wow, this is really scary, where my chest felt like it was going to crack open, deciding then going, you know what, just do what you've done before in the past when you have had to face a challenge. And, yeah. uh, and I really, I think the biggest change for me in all of the years that I've been on this gorgeous planet would have to be a couple of years ago when I really had to decide I am valuable regardless of what I have, what I do, what I say and who I know. And, and when I made that choice and just kept doing what I did regardless of whether I was getting paid for it or not, my life just exploded. So... And the thing in America too, I think as well, I loved coming to America for the simple fact that um, people don't care, like I said in the beginning of the interview, people don't really want to know you unless you're successful. And so uh, you either rise up into the abundance because that's what America's about or you get swallowed up in it. And mm. I really, I rose up into it and started seeing things on a bigger level. And I can tell you now the courage I have now is just, incomparable to anything I've ever felt. It's almost like it's almost like my time has come. And who would have thought, mm. you know, all these years later, when uh, three or four years ago when I got here, I thought I've made the dumbest move of my life and my life's over. <laughs> so so. You, you talk about being self-aware. Are there 
tangible steps that you would say to somebody to be able to come to some of those realizations? I definitely think there are things you can do. And it's like a muscle. So I think when you're aware of, when you step outside of yourself and have that observer's vantage point where you almost look back on yourself, but it starts, I think, first of all, with feeling. And so what happens is I think when we get a, we get a reaction on something, and then we, it comes up and then we project it back out, I think. And we, we either blame other people or the scenario or the situation or we compare whatever it is and we, we make judgments on the varying feelings that we have, whereas every feeling that we have is just like a barometer and it just, and if we can sit in it and pretend there's nothing outside of ourselves, I think that's the quickest way to become self-aware is to go, wow, where's this feeling coming from and why do I have heat on it? Or why do I feel safe now? Or why do I feel scared now? Um, or why am I panicked now? Yeah, because, yeah, nice. Isn't it? Because it's just mm. a feeling. It's just mm. a, it's a reaction from a thought that you, you've decided something and that's what's giving you the feeling. The situation is giving you the feeling. With your experience of dealing with people now across Australia and now across the States, do you think in recent times that our society and what's going on is having an effect on our emotions? I... I absolutely think that we are allowing our emotions to come up and through. And so um, Pitman, so we've got Pitman, you know, Flipman, who is the superhero that lives within us, and we've got Pitman, who lives in the pit of misery. And I think over the years we've been taught to push those emotions down and we haven't been taught, especially in this country in America, we've been taught to pretend that everything's okay, to pretend that you're happy, to pretend that you're coping, uh, to pretend that everything's cool and... To actually, and when I share my story, it's amazing. I don't have any heat on my story. You know, it's like, mm. I don't, uh, to me, it's just stuff that's happened in my past and, you know, I've dealt with it. But when I share it and when I share the stuff that I've gone through, it's amazing how many people come up and go, I'm so glad you shared that because the same things happened to me, but we try to hide it. So I think when people get used to feeling and it's okay to have a cry and it's okay to laugh out loud and it's okay to almost not breathe from anxiety some nights. You know, it's like the old anxiety where we try to numb it. You know, and I, I even took mm. my son to the doctors just recently and she tried to tell me that, you know, if the healthy eating and everything didn't work, well, maybe we could put him on Bizo. I, I think when you start anything with something that sounds like it's um, from a physics book, <laughs> it's not going to be good for your body. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And I got so angry with her and she mentioned the word Xanax or whatever it is. Mm, and oh, yeah. my gosh. And I said, you know what, the whole point of getting anxiety is so your body can learn how to manage it, yeah. not numb it. The reason we get sad is so that yeah. we can learn how to manage it and mm. it's about managing the pain of our life. So, yeah, Gary, I totally agree with you and I think feelings and that's why the whole retail training business has taken off because – you know, it really is about reaching and massaging people's hearts. And in the process, whatever they're buying just happens to be the side part. Does that make sense? Like you go to a beautiful fruiterer. Yeah, I think it's very good. Mm, I love it. I love it. it. Um, just Robbo Terry's done this fantastic series of books about this character called Flipman, who's mm. a superhero in all of us. Mm. I was just about to ask about that. to save us from Pitman, which is the pit of misery. And mm. the book we give to the children is part of that series specifically to help children understand cancer and what goes on with cancer, what can be done to prevent getting cancer, the things we can do to help ourselves. Mm. You talk about see it, say it, feel it and do it. In a, in a corporate sense or for us grown-ups mm. who are our audience, 
Can you explain what that means, like why that's so powerful? Because it's on the front page of your website. What, just explain to me the, the philosophy behind that. Okay, well, actually, and the, the wonderful thing was that uh, it keep, the whole system actually evolved over the years and I created Pitman because I trained two teenage boys many years ago who killed themselves because of their high school leaving certificate. And so I, be, I was just absolutely shattered by the whole experience and created this pit of misery. And then Flipman, previously known as Stickman, um, Flipman came about because there was I wanted to create a strategy and it was through writing the kids' books. Couldn't you believe it? So I, did, I had this sort of complicated strategy and then when I had to write the kids' books, it's very difficult to take what takes me normally two hours on stage in a corporate situation to bring that down to 15 minutes in a kid's book. And so the four processes where you've got to make a picture first, and I think a lot of us don't realise that we're actually making pictures all the time inside of our head. So we make pictures of what our relationships look like. You think about when you're driving home and you're driving home to see your partner. And so you're thinking about your partner and then you go, so what sort of an image am I making in my head of that? So let's just say you're going through a bit of an ugly moment because you don't get married to be happy. You get married because you love each other and then you get through all the ugly moments, you know. Um, and so happy is just one part of the relationship. So you see it, you make a picture. In the Let's Do Well book, it's about making a picture of a healthy cell, like the brain heals in a different part of the brain that's sick. And a lot of us can actually just keep repeating the illness. So we keep, we say, I have cancer or I, you know, I'm in remission. And you'll notice in the books, um, Chloe never says she's in remission. She says, oh, she says, the doctors call it remission, but I like to say that I am well. And the, the brain actually supports that. So you make a picture. So the first one to see it is you have to make a picture and get a really positive visual, not a negative visual. So it's not what you don't want, it's what you do want. Um, the say part is you then language it and dialogue it in a really powerful way. So you start with I am or I have. So I am whatever. I have long, healthy nails. I am, um, you know, and whatever it is that you want to achieve that you're not getting right now. Um, I'm just trying to think of different ones that people would have. You know, I have a loving, supportive relationship. I am eating healthy foods, you know. Um, so see, say, and then feel. Now, feel is my favourite one because when you you have to, it's almost like you feel it into being. But most of us wait till we get it before we we think we get, get we're going to get the feeling after we get it. And I go, no, you got to feel it before you get it. So if you can feel loving before you get love, you're probably going to bring love a lot faster than not. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. So you feel, yeah. You feel wellness. So when I had a, I, I started surfing many, many years ago. I haven't, I haven't surfed for a couple of years, but I got a fin chop through my eyebrow and the doctor wanted to stitch me. And I said, look, I'm not sure that's the image I'm trying to go for here. You know, a massive scar across my face. <laughs> and that's not my talk, you know, survived a shark attack. Um, and so I, he said, I said, give me three days. And he said, okay, because I was doing a training program. And so when I, I so I did the see, say, feel, and do. I made a picture. I actually Googled healthy cells knitting together. I said it. The cells are knitting together. I felt it. I actually felt, I physically felt the cells tingling and knitting together. I, who cares if I made it up? I can't stand this thing called negative love. Oh, you don't want to go giving them false hope. I mean, really, what on earth is that? I go, if you're taking a breath, love, something's working. 
And so, and then, and then do. And so three days later, I went back. He was a microsurgeon. He went, oh my gosh. He said, I've never seen anyone heal as quickly. And I showed him Flipman and he goes, I've heard about things like this. And so this, <laughs> this is this is 12, 14 years ago. So if you want to bring a healthy relationship into your life, you've got to feel it. You can't keep thinking negative thoughts about your partner and you can't keep, you know, going off at your kids and you can't, you know, if you're looking in the mirror and you hate what you see, then every time you look in the mirror and you hate what you see, you're just reinforcing the very thing that you don't want. I think the powerful thing about what you're saying, Terry, is that resonates with me with me is actually the opposite. Um, I've watched, you know, friends and close family of mine die over the last few years of cancer and, 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 and even old age. Um, mm-hmm. But but you hear how often do you hear a doctor saying, oh, you know, it seems like they've given up hope, and and a day or two later they're gone. Whereas yeah. if you hear a doctor say, oh, you know, he seems fine, he seems to want to fight it, that you know the reverse is true. Oh my gosh, you know, I, I actually read a book just recently called Mind Over Medicine, and it was written by a, a doctor, a medical doctor. And um, how many? So we go in and we go. Oh, what's that? There's a wonderful story where a man, will, the doctor, walks in and says, "You've only got two months to live." Mm. And, the doc- and the patient says, this is a true story, and the patient says, you're telling me, my doctor, that I've only got two months to live. Mm. And the doctor goes, yes. And he goes, well, I think I better get myself a better doctor. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's, it, it is that. And, you know, for some people they might be tired from life. Mm. They might be tired from life and they might want to go rest. Mm. Mm. And, and that, you know, comes in the form of death sometimes. And so... Mm. I understand that, but you look at your little nine-year-olds. I was saying this just uh, yesterday that you look at a, a sports team, and I've worked with some of the top sports teams as well with mm. this whole flip man, pit man thing. Mm. And you have a team, so you watch the little kids. So the other team scores a goal, mm. and they're like, "What?" They pull their t-shirts over their head, they race you, right? You know, yep. woo. don't yep. you love it when these crazy do-gooder people go? No, we want our children to realise <laughs> that it's not all about winning. I go tell that to a nine-year-old. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. And then the other, now, the other team, you see them slump. So they actually haven't won one goal. They're not one goal ahead now. They're two. Because in the other team's mind, they go, oh, they're beating us. Instead of if those kids pretended and faked feeling that they'd actually, so when the other team goes, the winning team goes, yay, they go, yay, as well. Well, they've climbed back up again in a mental state. You've actually given me some confidence because the last thing I say to my kids before they go on the field every week is uh, a try saved is a try scored. I love it. Or the other one is if you don't win, I'll flog you. Yes, that works sometimes <laughs> yeah, too. That, that, yeah. that's, 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 that's an oldie but a goldie. Yeah. If, if you're losing at halftime, there's no oranges. <laughs> <laughs> they probably go great. I yeah. remember the first time, first time Harrison was playing soccer and then they're all um, huddling. And we're like, everyone's screaming, like, get after the ball. You know, the typical parent thing, like, you know, down the other end. And when we went over, someone went over to see what they were doing. They were trading Pokemon cards. Right. (laughs) During the game. Yeah. Classic. Classic. I've got a classic story just quickly of when I was coaching my my eldest son when he was much younger in under sixes, we were playing on a Saturday morning and there was, if you can imagine a, a, a rugby union field broken up into four, that's the size of the field. So there was four fields on the one all filled with, you know, five-year-old kids playing rugby. And this plane went over leaving a vapour trail. And and at, the sta- at that stage, both the coaches are allowed on the field. So there's two coaches, a referee and, and, and 14 kids. And the other coach from the other team said to me, have a look around. And I looked around and this 
plane flying over with a vapor trail, every one of those fields, so 28 kids on each field, were all looking up, watching the plane go overhead <laughs> when they should be playing rugby. It was hilarious. Oh, and you know what? Isn't that living in the moment? It may yes. not be, you know, they may not be focused, but I tell you what, they're living in the moment. Well, there was actually a lesson in that for me, you know. It's like, you know, the old stop and smell the roses. It's like, yeah. hey, you know, the, the opportunity's there, take it. You know, how often do you get the opportunity? A couple of quick questions before we let you go. Are you a journalist? Uh, no, I don't. I, I, what I do do, though, is uh, it's funny when you get asked a question, you know, and this is how I write my books as well. I'm always thinking about the people listening. I... I will write down as things come into my head. So, uh, you know, like that's why Flipman's got a post, he's got a thing on Facebook. Um, and so I'll, I'll definitely do that when when thoughts enter my head, I'll drop them down. But no, I'm not a journaler because I'm very auditory and so I do a lot of talking inside of my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you, on that, do you have a personal particular mantra that keeps playing in your audio head file? Gosh, I love your questions. They really put me on the spot. Um, oh, don't give him a big head. Actually, there is, Gary. Good, good. So the one that comes up for me is where is this coming from? Mm, nice. So where is this coming from? And so if it's positive, negative, whatever, um, I'll go, well, where is that coming from, you know? so That might so, be close to gold, Gary. Gold. Close to gold. We love that. Yeah. Woo, baby. <laughs> There's gold in them dear dark black hills of Dakota. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Mama, get my dog. I'm going to shoot it, eat it, skin it, and wear it. Um, I'm, going to tell you, I'm going to tell you this quick story. So my girlfriend, who's from Nashville. Love a good story. Quick, love a good chat. She's from Nashville. And yeah. so she says, you know, we grew up in population 3,000 in Coal Valley, I think it was. Her, her dad, they lived in this tiny little house, and she had her and her two brothers. So one Christmas morning, they're all fighting over Christmas presents. And so he says, come on, the moon. And so they walk out the back, and he takes his shotgun, and they walk out to the back and they look up and he goes, and he goes, Santa Claus is dead. <laughs> and they all walk inside. She's screaming at him. I can't believe you just killed Santa Claus. And he goes, well, there you go for fighting over the toys. <laughs> I just thought it was so hysterical. Like that would be child abuse these days. But Good um, Lord, it would have to be close, wouldn't it? Oh, isn't that gorgeous? Do you I know, love Terry, it. what this world needs is a few more rednecks. Yes. <laughs> Gary, don't say that. <laughs> I'm a redneck, proud of it. Um, Terry, do you have a uh, – um, morning or evening ritual that you is a mandatory each each morning you start your day or each night you finish your night. Are you are you ritualized in, in any way? I'm very conscious of uh, just how where my where the focus is going. So I do try. There is a uh, I do have an audio guided meditation that I listen to as, as often as I can, which just brings me back and reminds me that you know I'm always connected and uh, that everything that happens is just you know, basically a movie really and it's how I react to it. So, but no, not really. I, like I said, I just really, I really wanted to pay attention to how I'm feeling. I think if you're really aware of how you're feeling, you can flip it anytime you like. Is there a movie that's a favourite go-to movie of yours that you've watched more than ten times? There's a particular scene from a movie that always helps you get your mojo working? Uh, look, I love any movie that makes me laugh is worth its weight in gold. And I, and I mean the slap your leg, burst out laughing 
kind of movie. So mm. so there's not a specific movie, but um, like I love Heat. You know, the first time I watched Heat and I was just crying with laughter. I think I just go, I, th- I think if you watch a movie and it doesn't make you feel good or it makes you scared or makes you see ugly things, I think why would you want to put that inside your head? Yeah. So yeah. I'm very, yeah. that's one thing I am actually is very, very careful about the books I read, the pictures I look at. Uh, I will not put ugly inside my brain. I don't want that. There's enough mm. of it in the world anyway. So mm. you've got to be really a guardian mm. of, uh, of doing that. But listen, hey, Robbo, I will send you um, one of the one whatever, which one of the kids' books for your little footy team. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Their little, there's a little yellow character they can get to. What's, yeah. their, what's the name of the footy team? It, it's, it's, it's Eastwood Rep. So it's, it's actually Eastwood Rugby Un- Junior Rugby Union. But I don't have so, a, yeah. like a Dragons or... Uh, no, but I'll send you their logo. They don't have a little thing. It's um, they're called, the their nickname is Woods. Yeah, the, the Woods, the Woods, Woods, the Eastwood. Go the Woods. Yeah, so go, go the, the Woods, woods. Woodies. Yep. Love it. The Woodies. Okay. The Woodies. Yep. Yeah. So, Taylor, you're about to walk on stage. There are ten thousand. There are a hundred thousand. In fact, there are two hundred thousand people in the audience, and you're about to go on for your thirty-minute gig. And Robbo and I are on the front of house controlling the panel, <laughs> and you say. Put on this song because this is my go-to mojo theme song. What song would we play for you? I got a feeling that tonight's going to be <laughs> No, I don't think anyone said sing it. <laughs> uh, try, try and stop Thanks it. Thanks for the feedback, Robo. Let's live it up. I got my money. Let's spin it up. Go out and smash it. Hey, you know what's funny? When you start up with, and there's 200 people in the audience, I was going to go, oh, look, I'm sorry, Terry's actually just passed out. And <laughs> I'm here. But, yeah, you know, music is, for me, because mm. we also play, when I, we do the training, we play fun song yeah. but I say to people music is the only thing I know that can change you at a cellular level in a heartbeat absolutely yeah oh it's fantastic what makes Terry Hawkins heart sing? you know I think when I just see people have relief you know when they can just shake their head and go it's okay it's okay we I, I look at this world and I think it's such a tough world you know that we regardless of what your station is, regardless of where you've been, where you're going or where you come from, that, you know, we came here to feel and somewhere along the line we started branding happy as the ultimate place to be and it's not that. It's, you know, we came to feel, we came to have fun, we came to have our heart broken, you know, we came to love and I just think when people surrender into that and allow all of those emotions to happen inside their body and love it anyway, that's what makes me sing. What a brilliant way to finish. Now, a couple of things. Um, Robbo, I reckon that we will say to our audience, and we do actually have a big audience in the States and Canada, which is, um, which is, which is fantastic, big fans. And um, you went and said redneck. On you. <laughs> well, I am. I'm proud of it. I love he's my, a, as he's Robert a proud would tell you, I love my yeah, country music. Absolutely. And uh, in fact, 
I'm going to hang up this call, and I actually got to get on the, the tractor and go and feed the stock. So I'm uh, I'm I'm <laughs> through and through. I'm, I'm country through and through, honey. Um, he doesn't listen to the podcast. He just goes and puts his country music on. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> true. Nothing wrong with a bit of Jason Aldean, buddy. Um, <laughs> what do you know about that? We've got uh, I've got five books here, Robbo, which mm-hmm. is the Flipman Let's Do Well, which is the book that we give away to children on tour. This is a very, very powerful book for any parent to give to a child. I've given it to a number of families who have got friends or family or relatives who are either trying to understand this whole cancer thing and or just helping them with understanding how life and people and stuff work. So I reckon, Robert, we've I've got five copies um, here. We might send out a copy to anybody who leaves a review on iTunes under the ratings and review area. Leave us a review and we'll pop one of these in the mail to you because it's a cracking book and I, I highly recommend it. What do you reckon? Sounds like a great idea. Absolutely. Good hmm. hmm. oh, on you, Gary. And you're doing such a yeah. great job, honestly. Hmm. I love I love what you're doing. I love Tour de Cure and I love that you've, you're just changing so many lives. And, Robert, you're okay as well. Oh, I try my best. I can't keep up with the great <laughs> man, but, you know, who can? No, he goes, he goes, he goes, he goes all right. Yeah, it's not easy holding him up, but yeah, anyway, that's it's a right. lot to hold up. Yeah. Exactly. He speaks highly of you when you're not around, Gary. Yeah, yeah I try. Yeah. yeah. I'm putting full yeah, three senses. Body's a, body's a temple. No, that's more right. of an amusement park. <laughs> Come sliding in backwards. Sliding in sideways um, in a smoke cloud of dust. That's right. <laughs> Now, um, in front of me, I have Terry's uh, book, which all the Tour de Cure guys got to read, which is a great read called Why Wait to Be Great. It's either now or too yeah, late. Yeah, saw that on the There's website. There's also speaking engagements. Terry's fantastic on a feed. There's People in Progress, which is a training company here in Australia. Mm. Where do we find out details on all this stuff, my friend? I just probably think at my website, terryhawkins.com. So T-E-R-R-Y, like the boy. Mm. Hawkins, H-A-W-K-I-N-S dot com. Sounds Beautiful. great. We haven't worked, we haven't hard, asked the one hard hitting question yet, Gary. Bring it on. Go for it. You, uh, you, you mentioned that you talk to, um, to sport teams and all that sort of stuff. Maybe next time you're in the country, rep season will be over, but there's a whole bunch of under 12s that I coach at club level who'd probably, you know, take a bit of inspiration from what you have to say, Terry. Love, let me tell you, some mountains are too high to climb. <laughs> so, was that the invitation to Pennant Hills Oval on Thursday night for on training? On Thursday night? night at six o'clock for training. There you go. <laughs> Listen, I, I, the scariest audience I've ever had were 400. 14-year-old boys, and someone said to me, they need to know two things, who's in charge and what the rules are. So I got on stage and I said, listen, you muck up, I'll throw you out quicker than look at you. I'm in charge. Got it? There you go. I got on with it. Yeah, the threat of running laps or doing 100-metre sprints for five minutes is usually good enough. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You guys are amazing. You've been great, Terry. Thanks. On the front of Terry's book, there's a little line uh, comment by Ken Blanchard, who is one of the greatest authors in self-help, who wrote the One Minute Manager series, and it said, you'll be a better person for having read this book. I would add you'll be a better person by going to see Terry uh, live and or checking out her website, reading her blog. So um, it's been great catching up with you, buddy. It's been really, really fantastic to chat with you. There's loads more that I have still got on my page here to ask you questions about. So we'll have to get you back on, huh? I'd love that. You guys are amazing. And and thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Gary, for being so beautiful and supportive. And Robbo, it was wonderful to get to know you and have a chat. It's nice. Thank you. Bye, guys. See you soon. See you. Bye-bye. Getting your mojo working. 
This is the Mojo Radio Show. So, Gary, it's no secret, mate, that we uh, we pre-record this program. Mm. Um, I can say that in the weeks that have passed since um, since we talked to Terry, a massive big box has arrived, which is sitting here in the corner of my studio, um, full of uh, Flipman stickers and books and figurines for me to hand out to the kids, which will be happening this weekend, actually. So, um, so a big thank you to her and also a yeah. big thank you to her personal assistant, Anne, who I have to say was one of the most amazing people that I've ever spoken to. She uh, she's so switched on that lady. Oh, she's so sweet too. I mean, if you want uh, mm. if you want to go to uh, uh, personal assistant one hundred and one mm. to find the template for the perfect assistant, and is it yeah, always absolutely. happy? Makes you feel warm and fuzzy, but follows through. She's absolutely mm. a gem. So that's good. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, so thank you to Terry and Anne anyway. I was real the boys will love uh, it. before we finish up the show, can you um just pass over the Dyson there, mate? I don't have a Dyson. Mate. This is this is Voodoo Studios, mate. I've got my <laughs> mum's old Electrolux. Will that do? As long as it yeah, as long as it sucks. Um <laughs> it'll fit right or fit in real well with that studio. Uh you need to cover off your next three of your top ten. I if do. you if folks, if you are new to the program and you haven't heard Sebastian Terry's one hundred things episode, go back and have a listen. Uh, it's a fantastic story of a guy who lost his best mate and in doing so he sat down, had a good look at his life and said, What are the one hundred things that I want to do before I leave the planet? And he is moving his way well through that list. In fact, I saw a post from him on Facebook recently. It looks like he might have got his uh, next project, which is getting into a Hollywood movie. So that looks like it's mm. all uh, working for him. But um, wow. you said that you would do your top 10, not the yep. 100. So we've done the yep. top three. What were the next three? Yeah, well, we've done we've done 10, 9, and 8. So seven is go to a Super Bowl. Yeah, now, look, I'm not a huge American football fan. Oh, but no, but you're a big I cheerleader fan. Imagine. Yeah, I'm a big cheerleader <laughs> fan, big hot dog <laughs> fan, probably more to the point too. <laughs> hot diggity dogs. But um, no, I, just for the spectacle, I reckon that's yeah. something you've got to do before you leave this planet. Uh, number six, eat street food in Saigon. Oh, cool. Yeah, something uh, that's been on the list for a while, that one. Uh, and number five, this is a purely a boy thing, ride Branson's spaceship once he gets that up and well, running. Well, if you just hang a little while, the prices will come down. That's going to be mm. very achievable soon, I reckon, yeah, as absolutely. in the next decade or so, the way things are going, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah, and you know what? Uh, and this goes back to my, our radio days. Remember, we did Red Angel a long time ago. Oh, Operation Red Angel put the first yeah. person in the spa- in, into the black that's stuff. Right. Leave the, the first, leave the blue stuff, and hit the black stuff. That's right. We um back in our Triple M days, we sent a listener into space, literally in a Russian MIG. Wasn't Actually, it? Actually, I'm going to post that big poster we had made on Facebook so people can see that. Yep. So um so anyway so that 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 dream of mine spans back that far so that's that was what early nineties ninety one ninety two something like that I think yeah so um so yeah so that's uh, that's number five good nice work well whilst we've got the vacuum cleaner out a mm. couple of quick things the Rick Price CDs great mm. album we have had loads of reviews on iTunes so we will be sending out the CDs for the winners of that we've got five or six to give away seven in fact seven in fact to give away yep. Doing that, uh, thank you to Rick and his management for that. We love the album. Uh, mm. And a big shout out is that with the kids Saturday? Shout out, yeah, shout outs. The shout outs in, shouting yeah. out to my mates, shouting yeah. out to my homies. Uh, yeah. 
just that call we got from Aiden from South Africa about mm. the Australian Rhino project. I thought yeah. that was just, we didn't mention the time, but gee, I was touched by that. And the way he read with such emotion the quote from Mandela. I, um, mm. So I thought that was fantastic. So anybody who would like to get in touch with us, Get on to our answering machine. Yep. And that number, folks, is 0872006656. And if you're dialing internationally, it's Australia country code 61 and then the number 8, then 72006656. And just while we're on that, mm. just while we're on that, have you seen the latest innovation in um, protecting the rhinos? No. They've come up with this paint and it's similar to... You know the security dye they use in banks and all that sort of stuff and also in clothing shops where if you walk out, the dye yep. bursts. And Well, they've been painting the rhino horns with something similar and it also it adds a, a disgusting flavour to it so it can't be ground up and eaten, which is, I think, one of the things they do with it. And it also makes the, it makes the ivory worthless because it's stained with this pink paint. And they've been, um, they've been putting it on rhino and elephant, and, and elephant horn for um, hmm. the last few months and it seems to, be, seems to be working. I thought, what a great idea That's that was. That's very good. Mm. It's a good project. Absolutely. And and if we don't do something about it, uh, they're going to be extinct, which yeah. would just be a tragedy for Ugh. our future children to have to yeah. go to a zoo to see what right. should be running abundant yeah. in the wild. So Explain um, that one to your grandkids, folks. I must say one quick thing before we finish. Mm. I had a guy, I was uh, speaking to a guy from Perth recently, and he said that his two favourite shows were the Ray Warren show and the Frank Caruso show. So anybody who's wow. new to the program, that was his opinion, not ours. We both we thought they were both fantastic shows. Frank Caruso was just brand business 101, great case study. But the Ray Warren one, based on the fact that it is state of origin time and the Queenslanders have once again dominated, uh, <laughs> And that was a fantastic episode, and I thought what really got me, if you're into rugby league and you know the voice of rugby league, the fact that he said that we went deeper than his book did, yeah. definitely worth going back and having listened to. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Well, uh, I reckon that's about a show, eh? We're out. The Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at The Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time.